Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I'm No Joke, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel a thin bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joke channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, then we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. We could be. We might be. We most definitely are. We are live, live, ladies and gentlemen, here on the I'm No Joe YouTube channel. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo. Welcome, welcome, kids. We have finally made it. We survived this much of 2021 to get ourselves to UFC 261, our second triple header belt event of the year so far. But before we get into all that, before we get into the interesting news that we've got, before we get into the splendor of Punchy Kiki we have got this weekend, I want to take just a moment here and go around the room and welcome these wonderful gentlemen who are here with me to take part in these shit talking and these shenanigans we will be getting up to this fine evening. Uh, first and foremost, the freshest guest a man could possibly ask for, the possessor of the coveted purple strap of New Guidem, Mr. Fresho 3 himself. How you doing, sir? What is happening? What is happening? Couple weeks till Mike's fundraiser. So couple weeks left to go. That's right. That's right. So been busy. Been busy trying to get all that done. Oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> but it is what it is, and we will keep soldiering on. Hell yeah. Glad we got you this evening, sir. And then across the octagon from myself, more often than not, my Wednesday night homeboy, my combat shit-talking compatriot, the one and only Mr. Golf T Vapes himself. How you doing this evening, sir? Fucking fantastic. I mean, exciting weekend of fights in a couple organizations here. So we got a lot going on this weekend. Absolutely. Luckily, we do not have a fuck ton of news we need to go over. But uh, I do want to take just a quick moment and talk about a couple things that did go down on last weekend's card before we go forward into this weekend's shenanigans here because it wasn't as we mentioned the greatest weekend of cards but there were some interesting fights we had uh last weekend um i have to say this luis pena versus alexander munoz was way better of a fight than it should have been and way less of a fight than we expected at the same time um, it it kind of to me showed that Pena doesn't really have the the dig down and get it when he needs it. He's got that opening round gusto, and that's very very apparent. But he just doesn't have that grit that when you're down two to one in the third and you need to pull it out of your ass and make it fucking happen, he just couldn't. Because Munoz was not very threatening by the time that fight came towards the end, but. 
Pena just could not fucking capitalize on anything to really shut that down, and, and that just kind of sucks. But, you know, we'll see where that goes from there. Um, I got to say, uh, Jacob Malkoon impressed the ever-living fuck out of me. Um, I had a feeling he was going to come out, fired the fuck up, um, come off that Philip Hawes 19-second fucking embarrassing knockout. Uh, he he did. He absolutely came out and showed that that is not who the fuck he was. Uh, and he grinded. He grinded his way through that whole fucking match. Excuse me. Uh, definitely, definitely very impressed with where that young man's future in the UFC is going to take him because I think he's got a bright one here. Um, the gentleman he was standing across from was trying everything he could to take his fucking head off from the opening bell out. And uh, he was not only elusive, but was countering very, very fucking beautifully in the process of getting there. Um, I'll say this. Tracy Cortez versus Justine Kitsch was a hell of a lot better than I anticipated it being. Uh, I genuinely figured that was going to be a 15-minute nap in the middle of that card. Um, it might not have been the greatest ladies' fight we have ever seen, but it was another one of those that it was better than it had rights to be on that card. Um, so props to Tracy for squeaking out that one. Um, but the big two, the big two we got to talk about here. Um the new co-main event that they moved, uh, I think we should all still get a, a point for last weekend because Jeremy Stevens and fucking Jakar Cole, who the fuck would have ever saw that fucking weigh-in shove turning into the whole fucking fight getting pulled whiplash, fucking concussions, the whole kit and caboodle. So that was stupid as shit on Jeremy Stevens's part. We also found out that Dracar Close did get his show and win money. So Stevens not only fucked himself out of a might or out of a match rather, uh Close still got his money and now gets time off. So uh they said he only got the show money. They did not give him the win money. Oh, they confirmed it earlier this afternoon. Oh, I he saw I could have sworn I saw something confirmed earlier this afternoon that said he didn't. Er, earlier late last night early this morning uh, there was a report that he had gotten just the win money. Win money. Uh, Dana confirmed this afternoon on a an oh, interview see. with TNT, maybe TNS, one of those TN organizations. I guess sworn I saw he got just the show money, but not the win. But man, whatever. That, Dude got that, paid. That's how they were originally going. That's how they were originally going to do it. But I, at this point, I give them both. Give them both. That was stupid on Jeremy Stevens's part. It cost a fight. It fucking legitimately injured your car close. And it's not like he just played pussy. The UFC doctors would not fucking clear him. So well, my other thought is, is if you can get a concussion from being shoved, what kind of chin does he really have? That brings a lot into question. Yes and no. If you watch the tape, Jakar Close walked up with his hands behind his back and stood in front of Jeremy Stevens. He was up there just to do a face-off like they were supposed to be doing. And Jeremy Stevens, being the fucking lunatic that he is, full force fucking Kamehameha him in the middle of his goddamn chest unexpectedly. I can see that put a little snap on your fucking neck. So I can get a little whiplash, but not a concussion out of that. That's well, that's what they're saying is the whiplash caused the concussion, basically, because it fucking literally rocked his head. And when the brain bounces, the brain bounces. 
that just has suspect chin to me. Yeah, no, it's, it definitely doesn't look great, but uh, fuck Stevens for being dumb enough to set that whole situation into play. Oh, yeah. um, but the new co-main event that we got, which was Arlovsky versus Sherman. <sighs> Sherman looked like dog shit. Chase Sherman looked like a sack of smashed dog shit. The problem was is that Andre Arlovsky looked like a Louis Vuitton sack of smashed dog shit. He didn't look good, but he looked just enough better than Chase Sherman did that the judges gave him the fight. And not only did none of the commentators for there, uh, I don't think anybody that we were watching that fight with convincingly thought that Arlovsky secured it enough for a unanimous decision. But, you know, when you're in Vegas and Sal Diamato has anything to say about a fucking decision, there's a chance it's going to go fucky. And that's exactly what we got here. They gave it to Arlovsky somehow, even though I'm pretty sure all of the numbers for the fight were in Chase Sherman's favor. Not by a lot, but that's what we ended up with. Um, the lifesaver as it were in the decision machine that was last weekend's ufc card um the main event put on a pretty goddamn good show if you stuck around that long to get to it um i have seen most of the reports from the MMA journalism community pretty much agrees with, with what we thought going in and what we saw as a result. But there is this small echo chamber factor of folks who are saying that that was the best performance Robert Whitaker has ever had and that Kelvin Gastelum is completely done and that there is no fight to make other than Robert Whitaker versus Israel out of Sanya too, because this time Robert Whitaker is just going to clean his fucking clock. And those people didn't watch the fight Saturday night because yes, Robert Whitaker absolutely handed Kelvin Gastelum his ass and did it in a fairly dominant fucking fashion. And yes, I do agree that Kelvin Gastelum most likely is done. The important factors that we saw Saturday night, were twofold a even when he knows how important the fight is robert whitaker just doesn't really give that much of a fuck he's there to fight he does not really give a fuck if the fight lasts five rounds or if the fight lasts three rounds he just doesn't give a fuck bobby knuckles gets in and bobby knuckle fights till it's over but two his game has not changed one fucking iota he did not do a single thing different, better, stronger, faster, harder, daft punkier than he has ever done before. That's not to say that he wouldn't beat Gasolum nine out of 10 times anyway, but nothing we saw in the fight of him doing that was different than we have seen in any other Robert Whitaker fight ever. I don't agree that the Izzy fight makes sense next. I get that that's what they're going to push with, but in my opinion, neither Marvin Vittori or Robert Whitaker have done enough in their last fights to be the undeniable he's it next guy. In my opinion, make those two fight and the winner of those two can get the next crack at Izzy's belt. But we're not going to see that because they really, really just want to do that rematch with, with Izzy and fucking Robert Whitaker. So 
it looks like that's what we're going to see next. Not that that's going to be a terrible rematch by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just we're getting an awful lot of title fights here without people having to earn title fights lately in various divisions. And that's kind of a bad trend to follow in my opinion, because that's how you end up with nothing but super fights. There used to be this thing where if a guy worked his way through a division and he won enough fights, it didn't matter who the fuck was in front of him. When he got enough wins, he got a shot at the title because he deserved it because he had worked his way up. Nowadays, we're seeing that it very much does have a lot to play about your social media presence and your yes man attitude and a dozen other different factors that shouldn't weigh in on title fights, but are at this point for some reason. So interestingly enough, um, fight of the night, Whitaker versus Gastelum, definitely the best fight of the evening. So I, I agree with that. Um, performances of the night both from the prelims uh tony gravely who opened the fight with a beautiful fucking stoppage and then gerald mearshart with one of the smoothest submissions we've seen from him in a long goddamn time that boy is smooth as a baby's ass when his submission game is on fucking point um props to fucking all four of those gentlemen for the money they will be picking up bonus wise on top of that um, quick mention of the uh, medical suspensions because as is the case with Las Vegas, we can't get comfortable as soon as we get a good one, we get a shit one. As soon as we get a shit one, they're going to go right back to a good one and then as soon as you think you know the pattern, they're going to switch it up on you. So um, fucking ridiculous that was the fights that we saw last weekend. Both Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gaslam got a uh, two-week medical suspension. Uh, three weeks, excuse me. Um, they're both out till May 18th after a, a five-round fucking banger like that. Uh, same with Arlovsky. He's out till the 18th. Uh, Chase Sherman, they are saying, hurt his left knee. So he is out until October 15th or cleared by a doctor due to actual injuries. Um, Malcoon, literal two-week suspension. He's back May 9th. Um, where was the weird ones? Oh, yeah. Luis Pena, they said, uh, hurt his left hand out till October 15th. They're cleared by a doctor. Um Juan Espino, who was in a pretty goddamn legitimate heavyweight match, uh, not top level, but for for the up and coming new guys, that was a pretty goddamn good heavyweight match. Um, but they gave Alexander Romanov the standard three week suspension. He's out till May 18th. But Juan Espino, they're saying hurt his elbow in the process, so. He is out till October 15th or cleared by a doctor. Other than that, everybody in the fight, with the exception of uh, Anthony Burchak, the guy that Tony Gravely knocked the fuck out to get his performance of the night bonus for, uh, everybody else pretty much got two and three week suspensions. Uh, Anthony Burchak is out until June 2nd. So they did give him the full two months, sit the fuck down. You just got knocked the fuck out treatment like they should be doing to all these people who are getting laid the fuck out. Um, other than that, basic injuries get suspensions and nothing else is really in the way for it. Uh, thankfully, um, little bit of news here. Um, first one, uh, probably the most aggravating thing I've seen of the week. So I'm just going to say it right out. Then we can fucking move along. Um, Dana white confirmed this week that regardless, win, lose your draw, no matter who walks out with the belt after UFC 261, Colby Covington gets the next shot. 
confirmed regardless of, of who has the belt after this weekend. This is another when, one of those oh, hold that up. I was kind of just talking about. Like, nothing has changed. He hasn't won any fights. He hasn't earned himself another title shot. But he's getting say, the next title shot. What the fuck did he win? To yeah, get back the there. lottery, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I get it. He's a great character. Right? <sighs> no, I, I think Dana is seeing how the buildup of Masvidal Jorge 2 is starting to basically automatically do the fight layout itself. And they're hoping that because it was such a big rivalry with Kamaru and uh, Colby the first time and the ex-training partner beef that is with Jorge and Colby that regardless of which way it goes, that they're going to have an angle to work from a shtick to, to spiel off of, if you will. Yeah, no, this this is kind of what I was talking about earlier in the fact that uh, there's an awful lot of title fights getting made lately off of no earning. The only thing I could say is, I'm not going to lie, as much as I don't like Kamaru Usman nor Covington, if that gets a rematch, I wouldn't be mad. The first fight was pretty fucking solid. Not exactly what I was thinking that fight was going to be, but it was good. They both threw it out. Absolutely. So, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. At the same time, he hasn't done shit since that fight that makes him worth getting another shot. Exactly. That's I think that's my biggest problem with it. Um, I, I agree. The The rematch with, with Usman would absolutely have potential to be a banger because the first one went four and a half rounds I mean, and was pretty goddamn competitive. Hey, fuck. The only thing Covington did after that fight was he knocked out Woodley, but okay, it's fucking Woodley. And Woodley is known as on the downside. He hasn't done that right now. Yeah. I did that in my backyard right? like 10 minutes ago. I knocked Tyron Woodley out. That's why RJ's not here. He's wrapping his hands. It's his turn. Yeah. <laughs> He's passing Tyron around. Like, fuck that guy. Right? Yeah, no. Uh, I, I agree. There's and it's not that there isn't still challenges out there because basically none of the top five have fought Wonder Boy with the exception of Jorge. Wonder Boy could fit in there against Edwards. Wonder Boy could fit in there against Usman. Wonder Boy could fit in there against Colby. Like, Wonder Boy is legitimately the number four dude for, for a fucking reason. I just, <clears throat> oh, I know what's going on. They're they're in a holding pattern for Cosmot. Basically. Basically. What it comes out said he'll be back by July or August. August. Uh -huh. Yeah, he said he will be ready for any fight in any weight class by August. Yeah. So I was like, well, hey, once Comzat comes back, that whole division's on fucking notice again. That stale water is about to become really fucking murky really quick. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing about oh. Kamzad. We know for a fact he can jump divisions successfully. Mm -hmm. Less than a week. He, yeah. he can play at 170. He can go play at middleweight. And now he's talking about he might just go to light heavyweight because he likes the, the ch potential challenge of fighting somebody like Jan Blahovich. <laughs> I, I like Kamzad, but that might be a little more to butt off. I'm, I'm saying 
Yeah, you're, yeah, you're definitely getting a little big for your britches, but he's staying true to what made us like him to begin with. Yep. And I'm not mad if he does smash, it. Bro. He just wants to smash, bro. That's it. I just want to smash. Oh, he doesn't, care, who, he doesn't he care when, where, what weight class. He just wants to smash, bro. <laughs> Three oh. days, drop 25 pounds. I'll drop it, bro. Right, cool. I'll drop it on the plane on the way there. We're good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I agree. When Comzac gets back, it's gonna it's gonna really determine the landscape, at least of 170, I think. And then depending on where he decides to go from there and how his return looks, potentially 170, 185. So we'll see. We'll see what actually happens at 170 after this weekend. Um last night holy shit um much like for a while there bellator was putting on absolute fucking banger cards on thursday afternoons for no good fucking reason out of nowhere and then they just stopped uh one has started putting on bangers of fucking cards on wednesday early evenings out of the blue on tnt uh Last night was the third one in a row that they have done, and all three of them have been fucking spectacular. There has been at least one holy shit, drop your popcorn kind of fucking moment on every one of these one cards, every one of the last three weeks. And last night's was no exception, but the oh shit moment that we got last night from one was none other than the former UFC Mr. Hands of Stone, his fucking self, John Lineker, in an absolute fucking mollywop of a knockout in the first goddamn round, looking like a fucking savage. Just one shot, put the dude on his ass, staring at the ceiling, not sure where the fuck he was, and Lineker came down with a follow-up and literally just put the dude flat unfucking believable power that son of a bitch still carries in his fucking hands and deservedly so today they're talking about potentially giving him fucking title shot next he is three and oh and one with three devastating fucking knockouts it's kind of hard to deny him at this point realistically Yeah, I was sitting there, uh, I believe it was this morning, and uh, my uh, bleacher report lit up, and I was like, what happened last night? I was like, oh, 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 that second shot was uncalled for. Like It was a little, uh, yeah, it was a little unnecessary. He could have he just sat there because the referee was in motion to already jump in. Like, we all knew that was getting stopped. That was over. It's yeah. all over. Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> That was a nasty knockout, but yeah. Yeah, Lineker still, Lineker still fucking got damn good hands. Uh, we'll see how good that chin holds up once somebody finally gets a chance to touch it over there because that was a problem that he had in the UFC. But uh, as of late, nobody's been able to get close enough to figure it the fuck out yet. So keep an eye on fucking Lineker, man. He's tearing up that fucking one scene. Um, we got a couple of interesting fight announcements here to go over. Um, 
the first one coming up here in two weeks, the May 8th card. Um, we have got a late edition in the show of Philip Hawes coming in to take on Kyle Dacus. Two very prominent young fucking prospects who have put on quite a fucking show for us. They're just throwing them fucking together for us. And I like when they do that. I think it's going to be a great fucking fight to watch. Um, we have got a main event confirmed for the June 5th card. Jairzinho Rosenstroik stepping back into the cage against Augusto Sakai, which I think is going to be a fucking great match. Two heavyweights with multiple different MMA practitions under their fucking belt. So that's going to be real cool to see fucking Sakai's jiu-jitsu versus Rosenstroik's fucking kickboxing going down at heavyweight because... Ironically, those are two of the few dudes in the UFC at heavyweight who have five-round gas tanks. Both of them could very well be competing still to see who's taking the fucking match when we get all the way into the fifth, which doesn't happen often with heavyweights. Uh, June 19th got another addition added on here. The runback Marlon Chito Vera stepping back in to avenge one of his only recent defeats in Davy Grant coming back for a 2017 equalizer, trying to get that L squared away. That's going to be a great fucking fight. The first one was a great fucking fight. And then the last one I've got here, the last fight announcement I need to talk about real quick. <sighs> You know, you try and give a guy a chance and you try and give a guy a chance. And sometimes the MMA gods just keep taking that chance away. Luckily for us, though, Dana likes money and he's going to keep giving folks chances if he thinks there's a paycheck behind it. And this one absolutely has a paycheck behind it. So now for the third time in four weeks, we have got another announcement for the Senior Figueredo Brothers matchup coming this summer. Now we will be seeing Francisco Figueredo stepping in July 17th to welcome newcomer Malcolm Gordon because originally he was scheduled to meet Jimmy DeBrick Flick and Jimmy DeBrick decided that after one UFC performance, this ain't for him and he retired. So then they gave the fight to J.P. Bays to give himself a chance to redeem the shit show that he and his wife put on a couple weeks ago. And he has undisclosed recently pulled out this week. So once again, poor senior Figueredo brother here is back on the hook with another contender. This time, they're just going to let him have some guy make his debut against him so that he can kick the shit out of somebody and we can get to see some more Figueredo action again. Sucks that we've had to go through three different opponents. Uh, the good news is we've got another one for him. Like I said, Dana likes money, and with Figgy holding that belt, now we've got... Figgy's brother coming into the mix that almost always makes for, for good fights and good publicity. So we'll see where, where we actually get him into the mix coming up as the summer starts to play out. But we have got 
three, count them, one, two, three cards going down this weekend. Triple event, one of them a triple header at that. But before we get to the triple header fun, uh, Friday night, the kickoff of the 2021 season of the PFL takes place. Really, there's only one good fight on the card. Um, <laughs> I like PFL. I want to see them do good because more competition means that everybody gets more fights and all the fighters get more money because there's more eyes watching. But realistically, PFL just isn't quite there yet. I understand they've got the promotional budget like they are, but they're not quite there yet. But the one fight they do have on this card Friday night that I'm telling you right now has some potential to be a serious fucking fireworks show is going to be Clay Colliard taking on Anthony Showtime Pettis to kick off the 155 division season. Clay Collier is another ex-UFC fighter who was around back in the days that Showtime really made a name for himself in the UFC, but Collier was never quite just on that level back then. Collier has stayed pretty fucking solid, obviously not becoming a household superstar name by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, Showtime's not in his fucking prime anymore either, so... This could be a very, very interesting matchup here. And in my opinion, one of the, the best things the PFL could have done was to make sure that they had at least one bigger name, recognizable name fight on this card. This weekend just happens to be showtime. Now, before we come and talk about UFC 261 on Saturday night, I do want to jump a little ahead here to Sunday evening. Because Sunday evening, we have a card kicking off at 6 o'clock Eastern in the form of Uncle Chael's Submission Underground 22. Back at it. Submission Underground year. Um, if you have not seen a Submission Underground competition yet, it is no striking submission only jujitsu under the Eddie Bravo Invitational rule set. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the undercard is absolutely filled with some jujitsu world recognizable names, as it were. Um, the main card, the, the five matches on the main card are fucking spectacular, though. Um, Philip Rowe versus Zangief himself, Gabriel Checo. Um, that's going to be a great fucking match. The ladies kick off over there this weekend. Liz Tracy from 10th Planet taking on the throat cuddle dealer herself, Jillian Robertson. Um, that's going to be stupid fucking fun. I'm very, very excited for that fucking match. I cannot see the throat cuddler not taking out some of that aggression from the UFC match in that fucking cage. Um, and then Kyle Chambers versus Ben Eagley is going to be one of those crafty little bastard matches. Um, but the co-main event and the main event... Um, the co-main event over there this weekend, the return, once again, the defense of the tag team jujitsu championship belt is on the line. Once again, uh, Chris Lencioni and team sack coming in to take on Ricky and John Simon, hashtag team Simone, hashtag, and still tag team jujitsu is exactly 
what it sounds like, boys and girls. It is literally two men on either side of the cage, wrestling style where you reach out, you slap your partner, and you fucking swap out mid-fight, and it's fucking glorious. If you have not seen it before, I absolutely encourage you, if nothing else, to watch just for the tag team jujitsu competition, because I'm telling you right now, the fucking Simon boys have both cleaned the fucking whisker pushers off. It is serious now. It's going down this fucking weekend. And then it seems like damn near every month over there, poor Mason Fowler, the submission underground ultimate open weight champion has to defend that damn belt is but you know the funniest thing every fucking month mason fowler is ready and mason fowler steps in that fucking cage and he takes on whoever it is at whatever weight they throw at him and that fucking strap comes home every single time now i'm not saying that poor andy varela has no chance I'm saying he got beat by Richie Martinez and Richie Martinez had no chance. Went up and Mason Fowler put the fucking business down to him. So this ain't MMA math. This is jujitsu math. And it does work a little bit better. Not, not much better, but a little bit better than MMA math. Um, we've got a history here. Andy Varela has beaten some guys that are legitimate top fucking names in the jujitsu world. I don't think Mason Fowler is going to get added to that list, though. I like Andy. He's a bad motherfucker, and he is slick with his fucking back takes. But Mason is a fucking beast of a different color, man. That dude has got such a fucking well-rounded jiu-jitsu game, defense and offense from everywhere. I, I don't see that belt going anywhere anytime soon. I love the fucking matchup. I think it's going to be funny shit to watch, but I think it's hashtag and still on both counts of submission underground. I don't think that fucking tag team belt goes anywhere. I don't think that ultimate belt goes anywhere, but I'm telling you right now, it's going to be fun as shit to watch it on Sunday. That though will bring us to our namesake of this particular episode, the reason for the season this weekend, as it were, <sighs> Saturday night's return to full fandom. That is UFC 261, Usman versus Masvidal 2. Back in Florida at the Bystar Arena, the last place the UFC held an event before fans were completely gone or before UFC and all sports rather were completely gone. They held a fanless event there before everything got put on hold. So to their credit, when things opened back up and they could do fans again, Dana White did come back to the place that he said that he would go if they opened up for him and they opened up. Here we go. Uh, I believe they said it was like, an hour and a half and every single fucking ticket for UFC 261 was completely sold the fuck out immediately understandably um the bad thing i will say about having a second triple belt event on the roster this year 
is that a we don't ever get two of those in a year so you kind of blew your wad as far as promotions on the it's a triple belt event from the last one that we saw so it's it's not as emphatic when they when they do it this time but the other thing that kind of bothers me a little bit is that we've talked about it plenty of times when we get a pay-per-view especially now that we're getting a pay-per-view every fucking month um generally the card before that pay-per-view is kind of dog shit and the card after that pay-per-view is kind of dog shit because they've taken all the good possible fights for that three-week period and crammed them all into the pay-per-view they didn't do that this weekend (laughs) um they basically for for lack of a better phrasing dana white said here's three title fights shut the fuck up be happy with what else we give you because that's kind of what we got here um to be fair, there's like 17 fights booked as of right now. We know at least one or two of those are going to fall off between now and, and Saturday night, but there's like 15 fucking fights booked on this card. Um, with the exception of the main card, there really is not a whole lot of meat and potatoes on this fucking plate. This is very much a hungry man microwave dinner of a fucking pay-per-view event here, if ever I have seen one. Um, to be fair, there are two fights on the prelims that cannot go unmentioned. Um, the first one being the return of Tristan Connolly against one Pat Sabatini. No, Tommy's out there watching, so I know he appreciates that. Um, the other one that we have got is the actual premier prelim, quote unquote, event uh, in Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Randy Brown. It's kind of not secretively been mentioned by several different folks now that this is pretty much Cowboy Oliveira's last shot. Um, He has not been performing very well as of late. Not that he is incapable of it, but he just has not for whatever reason. And at this point, he is one of those fighters that still draws enough of a name and enough of a paycheck that if he can't get his shit together, the UFC is going to send him on down the fucking road. Uh, Randy Brown is well aware of that. He has talked about it in several different press briefings that he has done this week. He knows exactly what his position is here, and it's to be the one to send the cowboy off into the fucking sunset here. The problem is you can never really count Cowboy out. He is one of those crafty old bastards that has the skill set that if he shows up and he is on fucking point, you better eat your goddamn Wheaties because you're going to earn your fucking supper tonight, son. Um, I kind of like that Randy Brown understands that he's in that position to potentially be the fucking walking papers signer here, but he's not getting too crazy with it. He's not getting cocky about it he's just being very matter of fact and very honest about it so i i have a hard time seeing cowboy lay down here because that's just not his fucking style um but i also think that randy brown has a little extra motivation going into this match but i think that works both ways i think with everyone being so open about how this is likely cowboy's last go at it 
I'm hoping that being the smart man that he's been known to be, that it lights a little bit of a fire under his ass and he comes out and we see a fucking performance because we know that he's capable of it. And I don't want to see him get kicked down the fucking road like this if we don't have to. I think this old dog still got a couple left in him. We'll see, though. He's definitely on his last leg, but we'll see. I just want to say before we get into the next stuff here, I'm excited to see the Canadian back. I don't even give a fuck about Oliver at this point. Look, thank you, Cowboy, for what you've done. But watching <sighs> that little fucking dude come out of his BJJ gym to beat a piece of shit that's in the UFC was one of the highlights of my year in 2019 when he did that. Greatest fucking thing I've ever seen. Come out there acting like a goddamn idiot and get beat by some guy who just came off the couch. Fuck yes. I'm glad he's back again. And not to mention he's crossing borders again to do it. Fucking great. I'm glad he's getting his second shot. Not to mention the guy he's going to be fighting, Sabatini, is also a grappler as well. Both submission artists. So that's going to be a very interesting fucking fight to watch. Yes, it will. Okay, so that will bring us to the main card. To be fair, neither one of these pre-title shenanigan fights are anything to sneeze at. Uh, either one of these two, in my opinion, could have been a main event on, on a fight night on any other given week. They're opening the main card with Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crute. This is a great, great fucking matchup, in my opinion, here. Um, we saw Anthony Smith go on a hell of a nosedive there. And then it seems like Pivot Point starting to work his way back up. Definitely gave Devin Clark a fucking reality check. The difference here, Jimmy Crute is also on his own rebound way back up as it were, uh, not from a skid, but from his first professional loss. But we saw him take that in stride and turn around and get his ass back in the gym. And, and it did what we hope to see when a guy takes his first loss. It lit that fire underneath his ass and he got to fucking work. And he tightened up his fucking game and he got his fucking head on point and he came back and he was a more dangerous animal than he was before. Jimmy Crude also understands how dangerous Anthony Smith is. The thing for me here is that based on his, his media day and some of the interviews that he has done, Anthony Smith doesn't really put a whole lot of stock in how dangerous Jimmy Crute is. Uh, to, to paraphrase his interview yesterday, he said, I've fought in a dozen Jimmy Crutes, but he's never fought an Anthony Smith. I, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I'm sure Anthony Smith has seen plenty of young prospects, and, and I get that but his style also isn't so unique that you can't really train for it either. Uh, I like Lionheart, but he's not the most elusive dude. He's not the hardest to figure out. You can kind of see where he's going. You can kind of feel his game plan out as it, as it starts to unfold here. Uh, it, it's not 
really that unpredictable, that unpreparable. He's he's not really that much of a unique character that you couldn't really train for a decent striker with some wrestling and jujitsu, which is basically what Anthony Smith is. Uh, it's also very much what Jimmy Crude is, which is ironic that he doesn't see the similarities there and thinks that he's so much of a fucking golden goose that you can't train for him. Uh, you know what they say, pride comes before the fall here. And, and I like Lionheart, but man, we've seen several times before when he gets cocky and he thinks he knows what he's up against, it comes back to bite him in the ass. And Jimmy Cruz from Australia, anything down there that bites you in the ass, you better get checked real fucking quick because it's going to be a problem. Um, I like Lionheart here, but I just have a real hard time seeing him overcome Jimmy Cruz. I think he's way overlooking him here and We've seen that be a problem for Anthony Smith in particular with Jimmy Crute being on the rise. I think this is really Crute's fight to blow. I think Smith is kind of in his own head right now. And I don't know. I, I don't want to root against him, but I, I really see this being Jimmy Crute's way to go here unless he fucking blows it out and comes out and just gets sloppy right out of the gate. I think it's going to be Jimmy's night Saturday. Yeah, ever since I heard this fight was uh, was signed, I kind of had this pegged as Jimmy Kurt. Um He seems like he's a little younger. Uh, I I don't know who's hungrier <clears throat> for the win, but I mean, this set this seems like a setup on for Anthony Smith. I mean, Anthony Smith could certainly take this fight. I I don't see any reason that you know if Anthony Smith comes in, heads in the game, ready to rock and roll, we see that old Anthony Smith that he couldn't i just there's just something about this fight that just screams jimmy crute to me um and i've got i've i've, I've always thought this would probably come down to a decision at the end i think it, i think it's going to be a hard fought fight but i think this is jimmy crute by decision yeah i, I agree I, I should clarify i don't i don't think by any stretch of the imagination that crute's going to fucking lay him out i think this is going to be a fucking war i think this one's going to the judges but i just think that based on what we've seen I agree. Yeah. I think Jimmy's got it on this one. Yeah, I just don't. I, I just don't see Anthony taking this one for, for whatever reason. He's he's got a couple more. He's got a couple wins back under his belt, but this 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 one just doesn't seem like it's an Anthony Smith win. Like all the factors are there for Anthony Smith to take this. Right. Yeah. The stars don't seem to be lining up for this one. I agree. Yeah. yeah I'm on the other side of this line here. Uh, purely because I think Jimmy Crute's a little overhyped. I really do. To be honest, his strength of schedule, even his loss was to a pretty good circle call. Not a not a bad guy to fucking lose to. However, Serpenkoff, as we saw in his last fight, has really fallen off. Not the same means to that we've seen previously. And to be honest, his other... His other wins have come against the likes of Paul Craig, fucking Sam Alvey. Um, I forget who the other fucking two or three are in the UFC. So they're not they're not that they're bad fighters. They're just not in the elite level that Anthony Smith has been used to fighting at. I mean, look at the guys that Anthony had his skit against. None of them were ranked below fucking five. Then, yeah, they, in my own opinion, they did feed him a fucking 
get your shit back together fight. Because, I mean, we all know that last fight, there was not a fucking chance in hell that Devin Clark won that. Not a goddamn bit. I mean, let's see. He lost to Teixeira, Rakic, and Rakic was on a fucking tear as he tore through him as well. And he still is at that point. So, I mean, look, there's something to be said. The people that he's losing to, one has a title shot coming up. The next one is going to be the next up in fucking line. He's not losing to fucking middle-of-the-road guys. I'm going to say it right now. Jimmy Crute, a lot of potential. Anthony Smith may have overlooked him just a touch. I wouldn't say a lot, but he did make a very valid point. Now, how people choose to look at that, I'm saying, I fought a dozen of him, but he's never fought one of me. He's exactly fucking right. He has not fought anyone near the level of Anthony Smith before. Serkinkoff couldn't put a fucking flame to Anthony Smith. And he lost Serkinkoff. The guys that he's beaten, of course none of them have fucking put a candle to him. They're not even fucking ranked in the top 15. So he makes a valid point. Yes, he may be overlooking him a bit, but on the other side of that, we've never seen Anthony Smith come into a fight to overlook anybody, just directly overlook them. He has, however, got into his own head before. And that's where we saw that slow downfall. However, some of those people he lost to are absolute fucking killers. So I'm going to go purely on MMA math here. And my own thoughts about Jimmy Crute, thinking that from the wins that he's gotten, he's looked good. He doesn't look great. He doesn't look like he should be top five right now. So I really don't foresee him getting a win over Smith. Oh, and he's definitely not fucking finishing him. Uh, will this go to decision? Yeah, there's a very strong chance it could. However, I don't think he's going to get it. If if he does get it, it's going to be a split and squeaked out decision. It's not going to be a fucking dominant one. He's nowhere near as good as Teixeira. And he's definitely no fucking rakeage. So I have to go on the side of caution here and say that I think Smith's going to win this. He will go to decision, and it will be unanimous. Interesting. I think there's absolutely that possibility. Absolutely the possibility for going that way, but uh, we'll definitely be tuning into that one to keep an eye out. That, however, will bring us into our last non-title fight of the main card, as it were. Uh, a fight that I believe has actually been called out three or four times now, but took, for whatever reason, a couple of years to finally get put together. Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. This is kind of one of those... Neither one of these guys are spring chickens, but their paths have gone very differently for about the same period of time because they basically came into the UFC very similar time periods. But Uriah Hall, despite all the fucking hype that he came in with, Dana literally calling him the most dangerous man he's ever signed to the UFC, uh, Uriah Hall didn't really make a big splash for a hot fucking minute while he was in the UFC. He stayed pretty mediocre for a good run there. Meanwhile, you had Weidman on the other side of it, who was like a 
fucking rocket ship and just blew right up the fucking charts and is now after a title run and several serious injuries later kind of on the the latter half of his career's bell curve as it were um i realistically think five years ago this would have been a fucking banger you could have main evented a fucking pay-per-view with this as a headline five years ago 2021 it's an opening act the second fight on a fucking card and it's graciously placed there at that right now um I'm trying to think of a nice way to put this. Neither one of these guys deserves main event spotlight, in my opinion. Uriah Hall has not worked his way up to main event spotlight with the fights that he has put on, and Weidman has definitely fallen off of main event spotlight, in my opinion, based on his performance or lack thereof for the last few fucking years now. Um, realistically this kind of feels like a well it looks like weidman's probably on his last fight maybe his last two fights on his contract and this is one that he wants so just fucking give it to him kind of matches because realistically i can't see weidman having more than two fights left on his contract right now and i can't see the ufc offering him a contract extension based on just the fucking road miles that he has got with the ufc alone in the last decade or so um it's i think this fight really comes down to which weidman we see actually walk into the fucking octagon here if we see the guy who still thinks he can do it but isn't really giving it his all he's just still in his head that he's the champ uriah hall is gonna fuck him up now if we see the chris weidman who at one point in time was actually in the gym every fucking day grinding it out trying to stay a bad motherfucker this could be a very interesting match i still don't think it's going to be spectacular and there's no way in hell it's going to shoot weidman back up at another title shot but this could be an interesting match if we see the old chris weidman show up the problem is i think that chris weidman is comfortable on the couch right now i think the old chris weidman that came out and really put on some fucking wars for us just ain't in there no more i i think he's gonna come out i think he's gonna give it a hell of an effort but i think uriah hall is just gonna be too much for him and not in a spectacular fashion i just think in an overwhelming manner hall's gonna have too much for weidman here i think it's gonna be another decision match that we're looking at i don't think either one of these guys has what it takes to finish the other at this point but i think uriah hall is still fresh enough to where if it is a grind fest going all three rounds, I think he can still squeak out a point against Chris here. Don't know, don't care. <laughs> no, that's not true. <clears throat> the last time we saw Weidman, he looked like he was trying mighty hard. Um, and he took the match. He took the he took the fight. Um I think Uriah Hall certainly got the power to put him on his ass. I'm going back to my original statement. Don't care. Uh, Chris Weidman, you've had your moment in the, in the spotlight. You really need to get out of the game. Really need to get out of the game badly. Um, Uriah Hall, I don't care. <laughs> 
That's what this comes down to. I don't care. This does not deserve to have a spot on this card. Um, this could headline a fight night. I agree. I agree completely. This could be a fight night main event. Yeah. It's, it's, got, no, it's got no spot on a pay-per-view card. Yeah, this should have been next week's fucking um, main card. And then filled with a bunch of fluff because this is just a fluff card. I'll say it. I'm right fresh on this one. I really don't care. Weidman's well over the hill. Uriah Hall, they're trying to give this godly comeback of, oh, he was gone for two years. Uh, fuck off. This fight should have happened four, five years ago when they were still both relatively in their fucking prime. At this point, it's a waste of fucking time. Hooray, you both beat Anderson Silva. However, Chris Weidman did it. Well, Anderson Silva was in his prime. Uriah Hall beat a fucking Anderson Silva that was on his way out the fucking door. Who gives a shit? Why is this fight on the main cards? If you wanted it on this pay-per-view card, put it as the premier early prelim to get people to buy ESPN+. Plus. I, yeah, I think that would have been a much better placement, really. I think that would have been a much better placement. Uh, yeah, because to be honest, even the fights that are on the prelims are better than this. And I can't name two of those fights. What does that tell you? Because yeah. Cowboy versus Randy Brown. Actually, wait a minute. Yeah, I can name two of those fights. But the point is, either way, it's this is fucking useless. Both of these guys are aging and not the same fighters they were five years ago. Right. No, it's, it, it's fucking weirdness. But the good thing is that that will bring us into the first of our triple header title event part due for 2021. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And I will say, uh, not that I'm upset at the order that they put these title fights in. It's just a little confusing considering that every other time they've been asked about how they do end of card fights like this, especially when there's multiple championships, they generally always defer to the heavier weight classes go last. Whereas here, we've got flyweight, strawweight, welterweight. So a little odd, but still, three title fights nonetheless. All three are going to be fucking exciting. The first one we're going to get into here is the bullet. Valentina Shevchenko getting challenged by Jessica Andrade. First and foremost, I want to say this fight doesn't make a whole lot of fucking sense. Not that there are a whole lot of fights at 125 for Valentina that make sense because she quite literally has run the fucking table in there and she rightfully should have and will continue to do so until she's done. But Andrade quite literally is one in two in her last three fights. The one being her only fight in this weight class. Now, I'm not saying that she didn't win that fight because she absolutely came out and dominated that dumbass. Um, but that also kind of, for me, more reinforces the fact that 
the last dumbass she beat shouldn't have been in there with Valentina previously either. That neither of those ladies were on the level you need to be to challenge the belt from the goddamn bullet. But cannon fodder be cannon fodder, and here we are. Um, honestly, this feels a whole lot like Jessica Andrade is going to try and come out and bull rush her way through Valentina. Uh, she knows she can't stand and outstrike her for five rounds. There's no way in hell. If it goes to the ground, Valentina is still too much bigger for her to try and be able to impose any sort of strength or show of force. And Valentina, I feel, is the better jujitsu practitioner. So even once it's on the ground, it's not like Andrade has the advantage anywhere this fight could possibly fucking go. And add to that, Shevchenko also has range and reach on her. That's when Valentina does her best work. And I know we haven't seen the most impressive Valentina the last couple times out, but we've also seen her fighting ladies, ladies who are her size or bigger, which has posed some of the biggest challenges we have seen to Valentina in her career. But even those, she has still been able to overcome one after another after another. I don't see this being any different. I think Andrade is going to come out cocky. I think she's going to come out headstrong and try and rush in. And we have seen in several different fights that that is a stupid idea, least of all against someone with the caliber of Valentina fucking Shevchenko. I don't see this fight going more than three rounds. I think we see Andrade either submitted or stopped before the end of the third. Uh, I completely agree. I don't, I, Jessica Andrade does not deserve this title shot. They're just doing whatever they can to try and keep this division relevant while they've got a champion who's been as dominant as uh, Shevchenko has. And the only way to do that is to bring people in or bring ladies in from other divisions. And at this point, because there's nobody, nobody that's even, uh, even close to what Shevchenko's doing in this division. Um, Andrade, she's got some name recognition. So I see that's probably why she's getting a little bit of a, of a boost up with this title shot, but they have to keep the division relevant. Um, they have to they have to keep ladies fighting in this division uh, until they can get the belt off Shevchenko and put her in a different weight class so that she can go rip, somebody, rip a different weight class apart. Um, so yeah, I mean that's totally why this is happening. Yeah, the only reason Andrade is getting a title shot on this is because she beat a Caitlin Chikagian who failed to beat Valentina Shevchenko. Math doesn't add up there, considering both of her last two fights prior to that in a different weight division. She lost to both Wiley and Nama Yunus back to back. And then, oh, I need to switch fucking, I need to switch goddamn weights because obviously I can't hang at fucking straw weight. And that's fine. You go up weight class, to be honest. She should have never been at straw weight to fucking begin with. She's the biggest girl in that fucking division. And there's a reason why she 
was able to slam Namayunas on her fucking head because well, Namayunas didn't continue to not let go of a fucking Kimura, trying to use it as a sweep, and it got used against her, rightfully so. But then when she came back and fought her to get her W, her L back, fucking Andrade had nothing for her. So, just saying. The MMA, the MMA stars have aligned for her to allow her to fight fucking Chikagian and knock out somebody who Shevchenko already knocked out to get a fucking title shot? Question marks? And what else is there to say about Shevchenko other than most dominant fucking champion in flyweight history? Men included, in my opinion. She's right up there with fucking like Mighty Mouse and all of that. But, you know, the only person who right now would be a worthwhile fight is if she went up a weight class or Nunes dropped down a weight class. But she's not going to drop two weight classes because we know she does 145 as well. She's not going to drop down to 125. Shevchenko could go up to 135 and go for the title strap right away because I would be okay with that. That would be a good fight, in my opinion. Especially considering she definitely got robbed in, in, in one of their fights there. But, you know, that is what it is. Um, without a shadow of a doubt, I don't see this going past the third round. I think we're going to see the fucking nice little dance from Valentina and a walk-off fucking home run at some point. I completely agree. I completely agree. I, I don't think there's a way that this one sees the judges unless Valentina gets like injured today and hides it and still goes and fights this weekend. <laughs> Other than that, I don't think Andrade has a prayer seen fucking judge decision here. But that will bring us to our co-main event. The second of our three title fights for this evening. Um, and, and like I said, I don't understand the logic in them placing them in this order, but I do have to say it is somewhat poetic in that the last two people to beat Jessica Andrade fight after her for the belt that she took from one and then got taken from by the other. So the MMA stars have aligned in this nice little Oh, you get a title shot. That's cute. You had to change divisions. And the two girls who both beat you last time are fighting for the belt that you couldn't hang on to again. Just, you know, little side note here for you. That being said, <clears throat> excuse me, Weili Zhang and Rose Namajunas, in my opinion, is the definition of the top of the stack in Lady Strawweight. I get that Joanna's already calling for the winner of this fight, and I don't give a fuck. She can sit on the sidelines and shut the fuck up. She had her moment in the fucking sun, and the cranky old bitch needs to wait her fucking turn again. These two are the future of this division. Regardless of who wins this weekend, I'm telling you right now, these two will meet again. This has potential to be the trilogy fight of this division. These two are the best that straw weight has seen in my opinion. Joanna had her moment to run the strawweight division when there was nine girls in the fucking weight class. And I get that she ran it for a hot fucking minute. 
but look at strength of fucking schedule. Look at the resume of girls that you want to easily defend it against. Andrade, Esparza. There's a laundry list of girls that Joanna was the Valentina of the strawweight division against because there just wasn't anyone who could challenge her. Those days are done. Those days are long fucking gone. There are plenty of gals at 115 right now who can, will, and are going to dismantle Joanna and Jacek in the near future. One of these two, again, potentially doing it later on this year. But Rose Namajunas has shown not once but twice she can easily handle anything that Joanna Eugenia can throw at her, despite her being the dominant ruler of the division for so long. Wiley Zhang came in and gave us one of the single best five-round fights in MMA history against Joanna. She was in there the entire goddamn time trading with every ounce of fuck you from start to finish and handled everything that Joanna has to offer and still came out smelling like a rose. Now we get the matchup of the two single most feared or should be most feared ladies in this division, in my opinion, and I am fucking down for it here. These two are both very, very well-rounded. They can both strike. They can both grapple. They can both submit you from just about fucking anywhere, and they both have scary power for how fucking small they are. This, in my opinion, is going to be one of the better title positions we're going to watch potentially change hands for a long time to come. I don't think this is the last time we see these ladies meet up. The way that they have both cemented their place at the top of that stack, this has got a long future potential rivalry ahead at the top of the stack, and I'm very fucking in for it here. I think the biggest part for me comes down to experience. Wiley absolutely earned her way to the top, but she did it kind of quickly. Whereas Rose Namajunas has been around for a minute and she has seen all of the different styles that this division has to offer. She's got more experience and more experience at the championship level than Wiley does. I like Wiley Zhang and I think she's got a bright future but I have a hard time seeing anywhere here where she has the advantage over Rose. I think it's going to be a real close battle, and I don't think this is going to be an easy finish. I think we potentially see another five-round fucking war for the history books, but I think at the end of the day, when the fucking points are added up, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, that belt goes back to Rose Namajunas. I think Thug Rose gets her title back, and then I think her and Wiley are going to have a long and storied future going back and forth with that fucking belt. But I think when Saturday night is all said and done, Rose has her fucking belt back. <laughs> um, I kind of, I kind, I kind of disagree. Um, the way I kind of see this one going down is. You know, Wiley, she, during that, uh, the Joanna fight, she, she was in trouble a couple times, but she never stopped. 
And that's one thing I see about Wiley is she just does not stop in these fights. Um, and even if it goes to a five round decision, we, we know that she won't stop. And it's just, I don't know that Rose is going to throw anything at her that she hasn't seen as champ. I, I, I agree that this is probably going decision. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think these two ladies are probably taking this to a decision and it's, it's going to be a fucking war. Um, Cause I mean, Wiley does not, she does not know when to quit. And she will put, she will put a beating on. She'll just keep coming. Even if somebody, even if somebody's wailing away at her too, because she did not come out of that fight smell like a rose. She went to the hospital too. Like they, they were in the, they were in the same ER looking at each other with like, holy shit, what did we just do? And that was, that was one of the best, that wasn't just one of the best ladies fights ever. That was the best lady fight ever. This has the potential to beat that. Um, Cause I don't think Rose knows when to stop either. And I think that, I think the two of them are going to, going to wage war and Wiley's been through this before. She's had what almost a year, almost a year now since she's fought. Yeah, almost a year. So she's had plenty of time to recover um, and train and get, get ready for Rose Namajunas because you know she knew who was coming. Everybody knows who was coming for that belt. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to Wiley, um, just because I think she's been through this scenario before. And iron sharpens iron. Like she's she's ready for what's about to happen. And I I think this is probably fight of the night right here. That last statement I am a hundred percent on board with. This right here, without a shadow of a doubt, has fight of the night written all fucking over it. There's there's not one other fight on this. Well. There might be one other fight on this card that has the possibility of it, but definitely fight of the night. I'm torn. I don't know which way this fight is going to go. Rose has seen the best that this division has had to offer outside of Wiley Zhang. That's the only person in this division who she really hasn't had a chance to get a good look at. Hey, Moses had two losses in this division. One was coming off the Ultimate Fighter finale, and then one was in 2000. I don't know. She's had three losses in this fucking in this division in the UFC. One where she got slammed on her head and lost the title. One coming off the Ultimate Fighter finale, and then another one like in 2016 or 17. Other than that, She's progressively gotten better. From the time that she decided to finally shave her fucking head, once that happened, that there was a switch that fucking flipped. Rose is the calmest fighter that you will see in the UFC. I, I don't care what fighter you're watching. You can watch her to, through the entirety of the fight. There's no emotion there. She's strictly focused on what's at hand, which is fucking fantastic. Now, does she always make the smartest decisions? Obviously not, otherwise she wouldn't have got dropped on her head. But on the other side of this, Wiley Zhang, she comes out like a fucking firecracker every goddamn fight. 
However, the one thing I have noticed though with her all of her fights, she seems to fight at the level of the person she's fighting, not at the level she's capable of, which is okay. She also fights at the person she's fighting's pace. She doesn't dictate the pace. The reason why we got the greatest war we've ever seen is because of the pace Yoni and Jacek sets in her fights. Because she is the pace setter. Even when she fought Rose and Rose beat her up, Yoana was still pushing the pace. Why Lee keeps whatever pace that person wants to keep and she manages to still be dominant during that. Whether she's getting submissions, knockouts in the first round, or going through the five-round greatest war the fucking world has ever seen. This fight for me, to be quite honest, as much as I like Rose, is a fucking coin flip for me. I don't know which way to call this. Wiley has definitely been through the fucking ringer already with iron sharpening iron there. Look, yes, both of them beat Yoni and Jacek. And in Jacek, she had her reign at one point, but she's obviously the third wheel in this relationship here. Uh, so with these two, I this is going to be a war of attrition in my opinion. Rose is much better in the grappling aspect of things. We're on the other side of this. Don't get me wrong. Rose has good hands. We've seen them. She beat the brakes off of Yana. So does Wiley, but she also gets hit a lot too. Which Rose doesn't get hit quite as often. She did take a little bit of damage in her last fight with Andrade towards the end of the fifth, into the fourth and into the fifth. She had a nice little goose egg over her eye. But Wiley took a lot of fucking damage in that um, Yoana fight. However, nowhere near as much as Yoana, but still, she does take some damage. The one thing that Wiley has so far in the strawweight division that nobody else in this women's strawweight division has, she has 100% takedown defense. She has not been taken down yet. Rose's takedown accuracy is only 50%. Not that fucking great. But she's good if it goes to the ground. So, uh, to be honest, I think that we're going to see more of a stand-up war here than anything on the ground. If it gets to the ground, though, it's Rose's fight to lose. But I think this stays on the feet. And at that point, I can only call it a coin toss because we've seen what kind of striking uh, Wiley is fucking capable of. And Rose, we know what she's capable of on the feet, too. Her boxing has gotten better. Her fucking kicks are fucking on point. I mean, but, you know, when you've got fucking Pat Berry in your corner, you better have some fucking damn good fucking kicks, especially some damn good leg kicks. But it's going to be a toss-up. But if it goes to the ground, it's Rose all day. If it stays standing, it's a fucking coin toss. But right now, I think it stays standing, and it ends up as a coin toss for me. Uh, if I have to pick a winner, I have to go with Wiley just because I think she's got more power than Rose does. But that's, that's if I had to pick someone. But me, I'm going to be the middle man here. You guys both picked the winner. I'm going to call fucking coin flip. 50-50 on my end here. I have no idea which way to fucking call it. They're both fantastic. The odds makers should have this at a fucking even coin flip, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. It's pretty goddamn close. 
I guess, but, we, all get point. I guess we all get a point on that one. Yeah, without, without RJ here to, to break that tie, that means that all three of us get a point. So RJ missed out again. Fucking you points up, homie. No but, matter what, no matter what happens, that this fight's gonna be fucking spectacular. I was gonna say, either way, it comes down. This is the fight to watch. If you see nothing else that happens on UFC 261, I'm telling you right now, Wiley versus Rose has the potential to be the greatest fight of the entire fucking card. Potentially one of the greatest fights of the year, at the very least. So it's gonna be fun. <laughs> that being said. That will bring us into our final match of the evening, the third belt of the evening that is online for UFC 261, the namesake for the card. Marty from Nebraska taking on Street Jesus on a full camp get down this time. You want me to start? Yeah, you can go ahead and go with this one. Okay. As good as Jorge Masvidal is, um, I love it. I I love Street Jesus. He's he's a ton of fun to watch. Unless he comes out with a flying knee again and knocks out Marty from Nebraska in say the first three minutes of this fight, we're going to see more of the same from as what we saw last time. As, as much as I fucking hate to say this, Kamaru Usman and his wrestling and his ability to control a fight is second to fucking none. Um, even even with a fighter as good as Jorge Masvidal is at, uh, at circling out and trying to avoid it, we saw what happened last time. Um, granted, that fight had, what, like seven days notice? something like that, like there, five days notice. There, there, was, there was almost no time, almost no time for, for Jorge Masvidal to get ready for this fight. We've seen it time and again with, uh, with uh, Kamara Usman. He can go over and he can, he can take over a fight, push a dude against the fence, work that dude against the fence for as long as he wants to, take anybody down that he wants to, and continue to be the dominant fighter that we know that he is. And I, I hate to say this, I really hate to say this, but I, I fully expect Jorge Masvidal to put up a much better fight in the first round. As this gets past the first round and we get more and more and more of Kamaru Usman, we will get more and more and more of what we saw last time. And that is control against the fence, control on the ground, Control, control, control. I fucking hate Kamara. I fucking hate him. I hate Kamara Usman. He, he's, but he's still the champ coming out of this thing. And as much as I love Jorge Masvidal, his shot is in the first three minutes of this fight. That's it. He has to, he has to knock Marty out sometime in the first three minutes of this fight. Otherwise, he has no shot in this fight. None. I don't care if he has a full camp. He will get controlled, just like everybody else does that fights fucking Kamara Usman. And that's the reason we all hate Kamara Usman, because he's not a good person. His fights are terrible to watch. 
but he's very, 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 very fucking good at what he does. Just like I fucking hate Floyd, Floyd fucking Mayweather. I hate watching his fights because he's a defensive fucking genius and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to watch people like this fight and their fights always look the same and it hurts my soul to watch these fights. But if Kamaru, but if Jorge Masvidal does not finish Kamaru Usman in the first three minutes, watch me say this again, three minutes. He has three minutes to put this dude down. If he does not do it in the first three minutes, he will not win this fight, period. Period, because he's going to wind up against the fence or he's going to wind up on the ground. When that happens, this fight is fucking over. Every single round after that, you will see the exact same fucking thing. On the ground, against the fence. On the ground, against the fence. And Jorge will not be able to stop it. That's it. Oh, where to begin with this fucking nonsensical bullshit? And I say this in the nicest way towards Jorge, because I love Jorge. I say nonsensical bullshit because, to be quite honest, Jorge got fucked into the first fight. They dumped a buttload of money into him. said, hey, man, we need a replacement on five, six days notice, whatever the fuck it was. He flew from the States to Abu Dhabi, fucking cut over 20 pounds to make weight, made weight like a fucking true champion. No training camp. He wasn't even fucking training at the time because he didn't have a fight lined up. And when I say he wasn't training at the time, that doesn't mean he wasn't in the gym helping somebody else train or just doing the normal gym shit, but he didn't have a full camp or even a partial camp at that point. I mean, fuck, we saw him on the plane ride fucking showing pictures of pizza on fucking Instagram talking about he's taking a bite before he gets to Abu Dhabi. I mean, granted, he didn't. He said he only smelled it. I believe him. Street Jesus, don't lie. But uh, look, on a full camp, I give him a little better odds this time. And I say a little better odds because, well, I'm kind of in that same boat of he only has X number of minutes to get this done. And I will say he has until the middle of the third. If he can't get it done by the middle of the third, even, we can even cut it down and say the end of the second. If he doesn't have it done by the end of the second, he can't get it done. Namely because the amount of grind that is in fucking Marty from Nebraska is fucking ridiculous. The dude can grind. If there's one good thing I will say about him, he will push and push and grind and grind on people. And now, Marty from Nebraska also said in a couple of interviews now, he wants to baptize straight Jesus. All right, dude. So you want to actually throw down with him in the middle? Doubtful. Because the first time you get caught, you're going to go, nope. And you're going to revert right to fucking wrestling because that's what you know best. And that's what he's really fucking great at. Is he to the level of fucking Khabib? Fuck no. But in this weight division, definitely best wrestler in the fucking division, period. 
So he might say he wants to baptize him and finish him, but he ain't going to do it the way he's talking. They'll start standing, but guaranteed this ends up against the fence with some foot stomps and some fucking goddamn just holding maybe a little dirty boxing here and there, but you'll see more dirty boxing on Jorge the whole time. The plus side to this, Jorge has been on point and on weight already. He was talking two weeks ago, he was only 10 pounds off the fucking championship weight. So he fucking slowly said by the time he gets Vegas, he'll have five, six pounds. That's an easy fucking cut. Yeah. Florida. Or yeah, or whatever it was, but I, I either way, Florida, Florida Vegas. I know what the fuck I meant. By the time he gets to where he's supposed to be, he's gonna be right on fucking point. So that's gonna give him a lot more gas in the tank than he had last time. Because that twenty pound fucking weight cut there at the end, that drained the piss out of anybody, especially having no camp and wasn't ready for a fight. So he obviously wasn't out fucking running, doing the necessary cardio for. 25 minute war, which he got anyways, because well, Kamara's a bitch and can't finish him. So, I'm just saying, it's the only way Jorge wins this fight, though, is if he gets it done. But I'm gonna go ahead and I'll say, I'll say the middle of the third, I'm gonna give him to the middle of the third or the first takedown. One of those two things, he might get up from the first takedown. But after that, he's just going to get ridden to shit. And to be quite honest, Jorge, as much as I like him, his jiu-jitsu game, not that great. He's, he's, he's a fucking striker. And he's a very damn good striker. But we know what's going to happen the first time he catches Kamara. Kamara's going to go, oh, I don't want to do this. And it's going to be takedown city. So I give him to the first takedown. If it doesn't happen... By the end of the second with the first takedown, he gets till the middle of the third. And at that point, I think that's about when we'll see fucking his gas tank start to fade because, well, he's not a wrestler. So he doesn't have that same drive for um, fucking cardio as wrestlers do. And wrestlers have fantastic fucking cardio. The big boys and little boys alike, they all have fantastic. Because if that's one thing they drill in wrestling... You have to be able to push and push and push and push and push your cardio. And you know how to push through the fucking tiredness. So I give him till in the second, middle of third. If he doesn't get it done and baptize him by that point, Usman wins the fight and retains the title. If I'm going to make an educated guess on this, as much as I want Masvidal to win, I think Usman takes it purely by grinding him out. Interesting. So, much like the Weidman Hall fight earlier was for both of these gentlemen, this is my I don't give a fuck fight on this card. There's no fucking reason we had to run this fight back. I I get that there was controversy around the first one. Cool. Let Jorge win a top fight. Then we can run this one back. In the meanwhile, this doesn't make any goddamn sense to run this one back. I do think 
Fresh is on the right track here, but I don't even give him quite that much credit. I think quite literally, if Jorge Masvidal cannot win this fight by knockout in the first minute of the fight, the opening minute, if Jorge, Jorge cannot lay him the fuck out within the first 60 seconds of this fight, we go exactly back to foot rubs and cage hugs, and it's the same boring bullshit for 24 minutes following that that we saw the last time when we got these guys in Abu Dhabi. Neither one of them has done a goddamn thing to change any aspect of their fucking game compared to what we saw the last time these two fought. The difference is the preparation. Jorge has more time to adequately cut weight down so that he will have more of a gas tank leaning into the later end of the fight. But even then he's still going to have gas tank to work against foot rubs and cage hugs because that's Marty's specialty. He's not the best striker in the world. He's got good counter striking as we saw in the Gilbert Burns fight. If you get sloppy and leave yourself open, he'll fucking crack you. Otherwise he wants to smash your fucking toes and he wants to put you against the cage and then put your back down to the fucking mat so that he can grind out on top of you and make sure that you can't get points against him. That's just what he does. There isn't anything significant that either one of these gentlemen has changed in their game, in their style, in their approach to title fights in the last year that is going to make this any fucking different than what we saw for 25 minutes in Abu Dhabi last summer. The only chance to get a different outcome, in my opinion, is if Jorge comes out and cracks Usman in the fucking mouth right out of the gate and doesn't let go. From start to finish, come out and just across the octagon on him, hammer that motherfucker till he's down and they stop it because if it goes more than a second and Marty survives... We're getting a lather, rinse, repeat of Abu Dhabi last year, and we're going to see the same goddamn fight we've already fucking seen. And I think we all got a point for that, too. <laughs> I just, I have a hard time seeing anything different from either one of these guys that we didn't see the last time we had both of these fucking guys out there. None of them have done anything different. They haven't trained anything different. They haven't changed their game. Neither one of them are looking to completely reinvent themselves since last summer. I think we see another replay unless Jorge comes out and just goes Mike fucking Tyson in that first 60 seconds. Yep. I agree. But that is all we have got for this particular episode. That is all the punchy kicky we have to break down for you wonderful folks for this upcoming weekend. So we're going to go ahead and call that all for this episode here. So before we get out of here, I would like to take just a moment and let these fine gentlemen tell you how you can continue this conversation once this show has ended. So at this point, if someone is not signed up for the Hug of Chalathon, clearly they're going to have to wait till Monday because he's going to be busy this weekend. But if they need to get signed up, how can they get a hold of you after the show, Mr. Fresh03? Uh, YouTube.com slash Fresh03. But more importantly, uh, in a couple of weeks, we have uh, on May 7th and 8th, we have a 24-hour fundraiser going for our good friend, 
uh, Bapen Trucker, aka Mike. Uh, we are going to be raising money. Uh, it is, like I said, it's going to go 24 hours. That's going to be on the DIY or Die channel. So youtube.com slash DIY or Die. Um, Wayne is going to host the first couple hours. And then after that, the fun, the fun starts. Uh, we have the UK, we have the Aussies. Uh, and then we got, a, we got a special surprise coming for all of y'all. Special surprise. It's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun on the when the uh, North American block kicks off, and then uh, we do have special special guests, special guests uh, coming in. We've got uh, Grim Green, we've got uh, Omboy Yak is coming around. Omboy OC for anybody who doesn't play along with that game. Um, St. Uh, Mark Fagan, I believe Mike Vapes is coming, so we're going to have the vape team there um who else uh we've got about we've got a shit ton of guests we got a shit ton of guests anyway uh i believe uh i believe the bogan is going to be on for part of the show as well so it's going to be it's going to be awesome it's going to be awesome but yeah that north american block when that kicks off y'all gonna y'all gonna have some fun anyway that's where you can find me hell yeah thank you very much for your time sir always appreciated and then I don't know how they could be that lazy. I mean, I guess they could because I'm that lazy. But if someone else has been that lazy and hasn't bothered to find out how to get themselves some of the tastiest cheese curds in the Wisconsin area and maybe some directions to Kenosha to cite themselves a genuine B-A-M-F, how could they get a hold of you after the show's over, Mr. TJ? Wednesday nights, right here on YouTube, 9.30 Central Time. I'm going to go off to your vape channel. You can also find me on the Instagrams. Hit me up. I will gladly talk Kiki Punchies with you. I will gladly talk mixing, whatever you want. And I'll also give you directions. I'll even fucking draw you a map and crayon if you need it. I'm a nice guy like that. Luckily, I do have crayons in the house with having kids, so we can do that. We can make it easy. We'll make it colorful for you. Thank you very much, sir. Always appreciate your time as well. And with that being said, boys and girls, remember you can find the I'm No Joe Show on all the social media platforms. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. If you're watching us live Thursday nights here on YouTube, know that we are also available visual distraction free on the all audio format. Anchor.fm/slash I'm No Joe takes you to your podcast consumption platform of choice. However, if you are listening to this, a week after we do the show when it comes out over on Anchor. You can also catch us live every Thursday night on youtube.com slash I'm no Joe, where we do the show live. And if you enjoy the show enough, patreon.com slash I'm no Joe to support what we do around here. Get your name at the end of the show, get your access to behind the scenes on aired and even on airable footage that we can't put here on YouTube. And uh, we appreciate that as well. But we're going to call that all for this particular episode. So if you enjoy what we do around here, folks, give us a thumbs up, hit that little notification. If you don't enjoy what we do around here, like apparently RJ doesn't, go ahead and give us a thumbs down and flake out because we earned it and we won't dispute that. But we are going to go ahead and call it all for this particular episode. So remember, folks, until next time, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything unless you think justice isn't going to prevail in the end.
Oh 